we have a great subscription offer for all our listeners. Subscribe to our digital edition for 12 months for just $24.99. That's six issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your inbox for less than $4.20 an issue. Only $24.99 for a full year. So don't wait. To subscribe, go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. That's australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. Hi, I'm Liz Guinness and welcome to Talking Australia. In April this year, Sydney-based school teacher Lauren Tischendorf became the first woman to swim solo around Lord Howe Island. She says it was a treacherously joyful experience as she battled two and a half metre swells the entire way, not to mention tiger and mako sharks and stubborn ocean currents that had her swimming in place for hours on end. So what does it take to prepare for such an experience? And perhaps more interestingly, why would you even want to? Let's dive in with Lauren and find out. I'm sure that many people have heard of Lord Howe Island and picture it and, you know, the mountains and the, and the, the gorgeous calm ocean that surrounds it for most of it. Um, but it sounds like you didn't, you didn't enjoy those sorts of calm conditions on the day that you swam. In actual fact, I didn't mind them. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to swimming. I swim at Bondi. Bondi is in my local beaches, I guess, where I swim. Mm-hmm. And so, and I've been training in big surf and I've always enjoyed swimming in big surf. I was ready for it. I guess I wasn't expecting for, you know, over half of my time there to be in big swell, but that was it. And, you know, I guess in any challenge you face, you just push forwards and swim through <laughs> well absolutely um, I guess it's it would be really lovely for people to hear how you came to be uh, to decide to swim um, around Lord Howe and I guess I'm interested to know about your formative years as well and, and whether you were an adventurous child an athletic child whether this is something you've come to later in life so maybe we can rewind the clock some uh, years and and start mm-hmm. with where it all began for you yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's been quite a varied journey. Um, I grew up in South Africa. Um, I lived in Durban on the coast for a couple of years and my parents were always at the beach. My dad was a surf lifesaver there, um, competed there, and then we moved inland and we'd go to the beach, I guess, on the holidays and I'd go swimming. Um, and where we lived in South Africa was quite dangerous and so... And we had six foot fences and six foot walls backing between our homes and the road. But then between all our houses were low fences and everyone around our house had um, swimming pools, I guess, as many houses in South Africa um, used to have. And so we'd be, I'd spend my um, weekends playing tennis and then jumping across everyone's fences and we'd all go swimming in everyone's pools so okay. <laughs> I used to do a fair bit of that um, we immigrated to Australia and I guess as a 16 year old girl um, in a new country where you sound different it's um, quite hard to fit in 
And where did um, you find yourself in Australia? Where were you living when you emigrated? So we emigrated to Toowoomba, oh, okay. so west of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so, and I, I guess I'd swam and it sort of was something appealed to me. I swam at school in South Africa and I played water polo. So, I, and tennis was my main sport, but I, um, I couldn't play tennis. There was a club there and there were just boys that were playing and they weren't very nice to me. Oh. So I was like, okay. They weren't welcoming of the new they girl. Weren't, they weren't welcoming of the new girl and the new girl who was beating them. Uh. So like, <laughs> you know, that's just a whole other kettle of fish that we could talk about. But um, so, yeah, I, I swam squad there um, and I really enjoyed it. I, you know, had a lovely group um, of friends and that became, I guess, my social outlet and I'd play water polo. Um, at school, which was um, quite nice. My grandfather was a Springbok, um, an Olympic water polo player. So oh, wow. I had, you know, the it's kind in of, the genes. It's in the genes, and it was really lovely. Whenever um, they came and visited us, he would try and come in the water polo season. So it was really, I guess, quite special to have that. Um, so yeah, I play, uh, did swimming, play, swam at school, and then obviously being in Toowoomba not very close to the beach. I really didn't do much mm. beach swimming. And then um, I did a teaching degree and then I moved into Western Queensland, um, west of Rome to Mitchell, and I taught there for a couple of years, travelling around. And so there again, being even further away from the beach mm. and the water. Um, I did my usual stint in the UK and then I came back and moved to Sydney and it was there, I guess, that coming back to moving closer to the ocean I started ocean swimming um and really, so you moved to the eastern suburbs it so moved Bondi. to the eastern suburbs and started swimming at Bondi um swam with a great group um of people run by uh, Spot Anderson who's quite a legend in the um ocean swimming and Ironman world I guess he does crazy things and so, so can I just so, yeah. so you could just stop um, when you say you started swimming, did you just wander down to Bondi and say, hey, I want to swim with some people and joined like the, is it the Bondi Icebergs or was it, there's an ocean swimming group there? Yeah, that you so joined? I joined, um, I guess social media had just started to grow a little bit and I'd been um, seeing, I was part of a running group. I do running road running as well and I'd heard talk of a group called the Salties that swim on a Friday from North Bondi. So I went and... I was watching what they were doing and I went and just joined in with them mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed that, you know, first 6.15 on a Friday morning before work. Um, quite nice to do with a group of, you know, similar-aged, like-minded people. So it was quite nice. And then through that I saw different races, um, you know, ocean races, swimming in the harbour and swimming from Bondi to Bronte. Um, and as a runner in my head, I thought, oh, you know, that's quite a short distance. You know, mm. about three or four Ks is not very far. I'm sure I could say <laughs> The vast difference. There is a big it. difference. <laughs> there is a big difference. But I, you know, and that I think I did my first, I was actually only looking yesterday. I thought, oh, when did I last, when did I join Salties? And it was about, uh, it was in 2016 or 2017. So, a little, quite a little while ago, no. Mm. And so um, I guess, yeah, I've just picked it up and then I've joined different um, group, social groups that go swimming first thing in the morning and then I've done 
I've done squad swimming I did with Bondi Fit for a little while before Spot moved to Lake Macquarie and then I've joined I joined Vlad Swim which is run by um, a Russian um, he's from um, Russia area it's interesting because when I was doing some, um, I was doing some reading um, on you, and yeah, Vlad Swim kept on yeah. cropping up, and I'm like, "What is Vlad Swim?" <laughs> <laughs> it's run by this beautiful man named Vlad, and he just has the most wonderful attitude. Not only swimming to life, and he's just smile and be happy. So when you're in big waves, you're smiling and being happy, and it's just, it's just really. You know, I feel like that would be the antithesis for a lot of people. It would be like, there is nothing to smile about here right now. <laughs> it is, but it suddenly snaps you out. And so I guess it was, yeah, I, and a lot of the people I was swimming with in the squad swim the channel. They swim the English channel. It's almost like a rite of passage, the North Channel. Um, the bridges swim in New York, Cook mm -hmm. Strait in New Zealand. There's one in um, Japan and, you know, I thought, oh, that's really nice, but I kind of am not someone who likes to do everything that everyone else does, because mm -hmm. it. I, I think if you're around the same, you know, around people the whole time, you can't, by the end of it, you kind of think, well, I feel like I've done the English Channel already, based on everyone's stories <laughs> and experiences. Um, so yeah, I guess it's, you know, if I was going to do something like that, I'd love to do it with friends um, or a group of people I knew, because I think that's quite fun and I've got been waiting to do the Rockness Channel swim or the Rockness swim with some friends who live in Perth so that would be fun but for myself you know it would be nice to do those but it's not necessarily something that I have I feel oh yes it's definitely on my bucket to-do list. Mm -hmm. So tell me in terms of how the idea for swimming Lord Howe came along um, how did what what triggered that it was it was a couple of different things. Um, it was about Ju July, August last year. We were all deep in COVID, um, and I think it had been my birthday. And I thought, oh, what am I doing? You know, some of those things. We go, what am I doing with my life? I, you know, I'd lost um, the, one of the jobs that I had. I felt like I was on a hamster wheel, um, and then I thought, well, it's and I'm a school teacher, fell back on being a school teacher and I thought, where can I go for a holiday that's within, you know, within our New South Wales borders because we're really restricted. At, we were really restricted and I thought, well, if they close the borders, where could I go? <laughs> and so I thought, oh, Lord Howe would be really cool. And in amongst, there was almost like a two-week period. Um, I was doing a lot of swimming during COVID. It was a way of dealing, I guess, and for many people is a dealing with the pressures of what was going on in the world around us. Um, it was a way of meeting and catching up with friends, checking up on people, you know, and early in the morning at six o'clock, they're not going to be many people. So it's generally from a physical spreading diseases point of view. Yeah. So when they like, locked down the beaches, what happened then? What the beaches were locked, but there were some beaches that weren't. So, um, you know, we'd it would we'd go adventuring to beaches that weren't locked. So, you know, I found we found um, Little Bay um, near Botany, um, 
there's a couple of other little secret beaches in and around Sydney that no, not many people know about. So <laughs> I could tell you, but then, no, then everyone will know. Then everyone will know. But they are there to be found, and if you look carefully on the maps, um, you can find them. And so, yeah, I did. Um, two girlfriends and I, we went exploring, and that's what we did. Um, we also did our own. We swam from Palm Beach to Little Bay over three weekends as lockdown opened up and we could travel a bit more, but, um, you know, crossing the harbour. So in that time, we, it, I guess it forced forced me to look within my own area of things to do and things to try. And I guess that, you know, like all, many of us, we had some quieter time to think and process things and look at, well, what are the things we do enjoy doing? Um, there was also an instance where a whole group of us were going swimming. Um, and mind you, I'd been swimming about 135 kilometres a month, which is a significant distance. And I was, I'm a competent swimmer. I'm a strong swimmer. Yes, obviously. And so, <laughs> you know, and I don't mind going out deep and, you know, swimming by myself. Mm. And we um, must talk about that. Um, Because I think for many people, the fear of swimming in deep ocean water um, would stop them, you know, Mm. from doing that. Absolutely. And there was the whole group of us going swimming from uh, Coogee into Maroubra, which is, I'm going to say it and it's going to sound crazy, but it was just a 6K swim, which is a big, but it's a a big swim though. But it's it's straight and it's safe. and it was the most glorious winter's morning and the sun was up and we were all going in little groups and, you know, we just naturally you tend to just go with your friends and one gentleman pulled me aside and said, no, Lauren, um, you can't swim with us. You need to go and swim with this other group. They're going to be leaving a little bit later and we'll be a bit slower, so you'll probably be better swimming with them. Oh. Mm, and I said... Okay, and I thought, oh, well, maybe it's a safety thing, you know, they've got too many people, you know, and there were people going on this swim with water bottles and gels and all that kind of things, and my two girlfriends and I were just, we just went because we had a gel down our cozies because that's, we thought we may or may not need it, but, you know, Mm. and, Mm. but I was a little bit miffed, and I was like, oh, (laughs) like, Mm. okay, I'll just... You know, he, I was like, I'll just let him, you know, I'll let this, you know, go. And as we headed out past Wiley's Baths, I just thought, and I was with the group and they were slow and they were taking their time, which was absolutely fine because, you know, everyone is at their own pace and their own speed. But I just thought I'm, this. it was one of the first big, bigger swims where you could have more people. And I thought this is, I, can't, I don't want to give up my Saturday morning swim um, with my girlfriends um, in perfect conditions to swim with other people because that's just not what I wanted and because someone else had said I couldn't. So mm. I slowly dropped the group and caught up to the girls and they, you know, we had a bit of a chat and ex- discussion about what was what had just ensued <laughs> and why I was furious. Yes. <laughs> and then we swam to the headland. Everyone was faffing around and we swam back and beat them all in. No, and it was I great. Absolutely. <laughs> but it was just it was just one of those moments where, you know, you have to acquiesce and go, okay, you know, I'll I'll participate for this section. And in the end you have to, you know, make that decision is someone else's comment going to, you know, change 
change what you're going to experience for that moment or that period of time. And yes. And so did that is that part of what what spurred you on to then you know six a thirty five kilometer swim as opposed to a six kilometer swim? There's a very big difference there between those dif- distances. Um, it is. It's a big distance, and I also wanted to. I ne- I felt I may not necessarily had something. Well, I guess maybe had something to prove, but you know it was going back to that point where um, I just thought well. You know, I've been playing it safe my whole life and I've just, you know, done the swim with some friends. We've totally beaten these guys. Um, maybe there is more to my potential or more to what I can do. Mm. Um, my great granny was the first um, woman admitted to the bar in South Africa and she had to write her exams twice because they thought she cheated the first time. Oh, because she'd succeeded in passing. Because she them. succeeded in passing. Um, but she worked um, with Emily Pankhurst and she used to write mm-hmm. um, some of the speeches for the Zulu King. So it's I was just thought, I'm playing it too safe in my life. I need to push it. What can I do at the moment? What can I do now with the skills that I've got to do something a little bit different, to do something out of the ordinary. And that's where I thought, oh, I could probably, I mapped out Lord Howe Island and I thought, oh, yeah, 35 kilometres. You know, we swam from Palm Beach to Little Bay. That was a, not quite, you know, a longer distance. Um, I probably could do it. And I chatted to my coach and I said to Vlad, I said, this is very much on the down low, but do you think I could do it? And he's like, oh, yes, absolutely. Mm. And so... I decided to do it, do it in about, yeah, August, September. So how long was the time between deciding to do it and actually doing it? It ended up being about six months, August, okay, so obviously, so August to April, yeah. Yeah, so obviously you had been swimming <clears throat> longer distances over the course of each week. Yeah, absolutely. So I had been, and I'd already been doing big distance, I had a super foundation of training. Um, and in actual fact, I only started to adjust my training in about um, February. So, and that was just doing, it, it increased to a couple of weeks of swimming for, you know, one swim being three hours and then another week swimming four hours and five hours and six hours. So um, it suddenly started getting bigger. The biggest issue was um, the people I was swimming with were very conscious that I was suddenly getting in the water an hour before them or and then staying afterwards and because in I knew that up until when I decided to do the swim no one had ever done it before I thought wouldn't it be cool to be the first person not only the first woman but the first person <laughs> yeah well I mean I, I had heard it was the first woman but you indeed it's the first person to have well, ever done that well this is this is where it all gets quite complicated because um up, I was up until um the middle of February in my it, I was the first person that anyone knew that was going to do it and uh-huh. I hadn't told anyone because being I guess being in the first and adventure swimming is really quite competitive and once mm. you open it up um it's also an expensive sport and so you know you require a lot of um support in terms of um you know even getting to the island you know, you know it's quite expensive boats and all that kind of thing so and there are lots of people who do ocean swimming who are quite wealthy and I'm 
a school teacher with and who just lost their job in the middle of COVID. So it wasn't like I was flush with funds and I could go, <laughs> yep, this is what I'm going to do. So it became this very tight, quiet thing that I was working on. Um, you know, there's Strava. I don't know if you've heard of Strava where people, yep. And so I had to shut that all down because people were suddenly questioning the distances I was doing, where I was going, how fast. I, I had to really um, knuckle down. But there is, there's a wonderful gentleman. His name is Linton and he lives in on the Gold Coast. And on about the 10th of February, Vlad pulled me to the side um, at the pool one day as I was going in. And he said, Lauren Linton is on the island. <laughs> and I never forget that day. I think I swam for about 300 metres <gasps> crying. Oh, no. Because I just thought, this guy. He's going to do he's it. He's going to do it. And I can't tell anybody that I, this is what I was going to do. And <laughs> anyway, you know, he was. He took his whole family there, I believe, and, you know, waited for perfect conditions and he swam and, and you know, he did it, um, which is phenomenal. He, um, and this is where it's, I'm still working on being the first person ratified because part of doing a swim like this is there is a, a data process in entering data and making sure it's a verified swim. And that means tracking every sort of half an hour what you're eating, what the conditions are like, what the coordinates are. It's quite an intensive role. So who who is a, a swim like this registered with? Who is it ratified by in the? Absolutely. So it's an international body. It's called the Marathon Swimming Federation. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, when um, not long before I left, a girlfriend who I swim with, who swam the Channel many many times, uh, and younger than me too, quite a lot younger than me. She's just turned thirty. She said to me, Lauren. She said, and I never expected this from her. She said, Lauren. She said, you need to have it ratified. You need it to go down in history. So that was really heartwarming because I know as girls and women, we can be quite competitive. Um, And so it was, so that was my goal too, is not only to do the swim, but to have it ratified and go down in history. So fingers crossed. It's um, all the paperwork. you ticked all the boxes. I ticked all the boxes. I went over the top in as much data and footage um, as I could so we're still waiting to hear back on the ratification process but hopefully it should come through well fingers crossed with that yeah. in terms of so in terms of per week how much how far what sort of distances were you swimming in the lead up to about 50 k's I ended up doing about 50 55 sometimes 60 k's a week and it sounds like it was a mix of pool swimming and ocean swimming and yes. I'm would assuming you're doing some strength training as well? Um, I was doing a little bit of strength training. Never I never I don't think you can ever do enough. Um and I definitely wish I'd done more. Um but definitely I go and do a pool in the morning before work, so between sort of five, six Ks in the morning and then in the eve afternoons I'd go for um an ocean swim and it was generally a lap of Bondi just as a way of stretching out, keeping my arms moving. And it's just something I love doing. And during, you know, it was beautiful weather to train and we've had a really love, fairly nice um, sort of summer. When you say a lap of Bondi, how, what's the distance as a lap of Bondi? A lap of Bondi is about, it's about 1.4 or 1.7 kilometres. 
I don't actually know to be exact purely because everyone who I swim with, we all have different types of GPS tracking watches and mine always reads more than others. Um, <laughs> so my watch always says 2.2 Ks, but sometimes people say, no, Lauren, it's 1.6. So. <laughs> I um, go with yours, I say. <laughs> I generally tend to go with mine, but there again too, on this swim, I didn't have... I couldn't wear my watch for ratification processes because that would have given my pace and distance and time and what have you. So um, what what the distance came up with um, is what was sent. Right. So you've gotten yourself to the island. You have. You talked about support. So you have a support boat with you the whole way around, I would imagine. Yes. So I had um, very generously the um, marine rescue Um had we had their boat and then they had an IRB boat and so and it was great the IRB was driven um for about the last half of the swim uh, was um the policeman so the sole policeman of the island came and joined us and it was quite scary the night before I sat my dad down and I said dad the police there's only one policeman on the island and he's coming on my swim please let's do this properly and I said please don't make don't pull him out the water don't let him don't let him pull me out the water I was so nervous oh really so, was, so in case you got in trouble he would be like no we're getting no, we're gonna out. stop we're gonna cancel it and because I told not on my watch yeah and I told everyone the only point of pulling me out was if I'd been bitten by sharks because you know, if you're bitten by sharks, more sharks will come. And yes. that was the only time that they could have pulled me out of the water. So then I had the policeman coming. I was petrified. Anyway, did you brief him on that? Is that now listen? I, I kind of did. I was like, oh, hi. And anyway, the most gorgeous gentleman and just so enthusiastic. And there was no way he was going to pull me out at all. He was, you know, he was quietly cheering me along and just smiling he had the most he's got the most beautiful chiseled jaw and every time I was looking at these cliffs I'd look at him and he'd be smiling and he's like this way Lauren I was like oh this is fabulous <laughs> I love it anyway that's part of what got you through by this <laughs> just to smile and say like, yes okay this oh, is easy lovely. not the, all the training that you did in the lead up just a, a lovely smile and a yeah. chiseled jaw I love it we have a special offer for all our listeners Subscribe to our AG magazine for six months for just $39.99 and save 10% on the newsstand price. That's three issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your home for just $39.99. You'll find our special subscription offer at australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. That's australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. So, you know, the day comes, the sun rises, what time are you up? What time are you in the water? Um, what are your preparations before you get in the water? I, I know a lot of people when they do distance swimming, um, I used to talk to Susie Maroney, oh, you know, yeah. a famous um, mm. marathon swimmer, and you would see her covered in what looked like white uh, lotion. So yes. I'm assuming you're doing the same sorts of things. Tell me about that. Absolutely. So it was quite I started off the morning how I would normally for a swim. I made my breakfast. What um, is the breakfast of a marathon swimmer? <laughs> I think everyone everyone does it differently. I just had boiled eggs and Vegemite and toast and coffee because that's just what I normally like. And 
you know, it had gut problems before, so I knew it would be good for me. Um, so that's what I had, which was great. Um, and then got to the boat ramp at about 10 to 6 in the morning and we had a read-through of the rules of the ratification just so everyone knew what was going to be happening and what they could, can and couldn't do. And then at about 22-7-ish, um, we headed off. And it was great because I had two friends um, who were, who'd already been, who were on the island for a holiday. We'd had some dramas getting to the island anyway. But oh. um, <laughs> that's, all, that's another story. <laughs> um, but so Beth and Matt were at the, on the island and it was terrific because both Beth and my mum were using the channel grease of that white stuff to mm -hmm. put all over my body and it was thick. Um, it's th three parts lanolin, petroleum jelly and zinc oxide. So it's basically lovely, just, coating. it was lovely and thick. I feel like I was a white seal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they went, you know, said to Beth, Beth and my friendship has changed because she gets no. me to places most people wouldn't go to. I except my mum. So, yeah. um, just for people who don't know what it is, why, why you do that? What, what is the, what is so, the reason? Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a question I'm often asked. Um, it's, to help chafing so you know chafing from the salt water just the positioning of your body against your body against your swimming tog so it's to stop the chafing and then it's a sunscreen it's a very it's a very solid sunscreen I didn't get sunburned or sun anything on my body at all so because I imagine all day in the ocean in the sun you know mm. Absolutely. So no, but and it doesn't. Lots of people asked about it. Have asked about it not, you know, keeping um, stings or jellyfish bites or keeping me warm. It didn't do anything of that. It's literally just like uh, sunscreen, a good sunscreen and a good um, Vaseline. Okay. And to achieve. Yeah. So off we head. Off you've got head your togs on. You've got, you've got cap tug and goggles. Mugs, cap and literally tugs. My badgie smugglers, a cap and goggles, <laughs> and um, there is. I picked up a little stone on the side, and waited for the hoot horn, and yeah, I headed off. And it was just beautiful because it was early in the morning, the sun was out, and I swam across a reef. So it was incredible to see um, the reef and the coral and the beautiful fish. Mm. And at this point, the conditions were calm. Fairly calm. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a bit of wind and then I got to the first cliff. I think it's called North Point. And I went, as I was going towards that, I saw the kayak moving up and down. And I thought, oh, this is going to be uh -oh. fun. <laughs> and it was. And it was great because I love, I do, I love big waves. And they were nice, clean waves. You could time them. They weren't um, going anywhere. So it was just lovely. So they're not breakers. These are just the big floaters. Is that they just, no, they were they were crashing. But uh -huh. we were about I'd say maybe a hundred meters away from the cliff, so it wasn't like I was getting tossed with. Them. Okay, right, yeah. Um, and and so this is at the north end of the island, yeah. The north end of the island, mm. yeah. So I started at the north end, um, and off I went, and it was just beautiful because then we went around, and then the sun sort of was properly up by then, and the. It was just as I had hoped it would be, these beautiful grand cliffs and green on the cliffs and the blue water. And there were birds. I and mean, I wasn't expecting there were birds swooping. It was just 
It was just beautiful. It I was magical. It. Yeah. it was so magical. And there was a bird swooping and I called it Philomena because I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, start naming <laughs> things just to keep, because I was having such a grand time. Uh, but apparently I heard the night afterwards that it was a booby and it had this huge big beak. And then after about three hours, I had two enormous kingfish just dart for me in the water. They were just incredible. And I wasn't expecting them. Um, I knew I knew I wasn't going to be expecting sharks, but at that point I wasn't expecting any fish because they just darted straight for me. But just, you know. And massive. Massive, just enormous. And the most beautiful colouring though. And I was like, okay, I'm alive now. <laughs> Let's keep going. And so um headed out around sort of over the north point and then started heading down um, past the north point of the island and then there was a long straight stretch and I just it was I was like yep I'm ready to stop this party festive vibe that it feels like we're having Mm -hmm. (laughs) and do some serious swimming (laughs) and it was I just swam for an hour solid and it was just a beautiful calm rhythm there is a bit of chop in the water but I don't know it was just in I when you do endurance sports um you get into an absolute zone of just feeling strong and I was I conscious think there's nothing of nothing kind of sweeter than hitting that you know that that hitting your rhythm and absolutely. just yeah it, it you're so right and and I was there but I was also very conscious of not to take advantage of that because I knew I had a significant chunk left of the swim and that it, you know, you just have to be cautious and you have to be humble in that point too. Um, and it was great. And then we passed Ned's, um, Blink, Ned's beach and then I heard we were heading towards Blinky's beach, which is sort of towards the south end of the island. And I knew that that's where the sharks were. And so I was ready for that. Mm-hmm. How did you know that? Locals had told you that? or that? I, I'd read it um, and I heard Linton, who'd been before, that's where he'd said the sharks were. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to take, take information and when you need to. Mm. <laughs> and, and when you say sharks, um, uh, makos, tigers? They're makos, tigers and Galapagos sharks are the sharks that are native to that area. So um, I had the, my friend who was, supposed, who was there to be... Um, photographing and videoing this he just decided to paddle in kayak for up until this point and we got to um towards Gower Island which isn't towards the bottom and the winds were coming and I'd said to Brad okay Brad and we both said at this one particular point we'd stop and have our nutrition and have it you know have something to eat and we just never got to that point and I then I and I hadn't really been talking to anyone on the boat and at that point, I said, are we moving? I kept saying, are we moving? And we were definitely not moving. Oh. And so I I tried every strategy I knew of getting through currents. I did the half an hour of solid, fast swimming. And at the end of that half hour, I just stopped and the lactic acid went through me. And this is, I mean, the sharks had already started coming and circling, but they just came even closer, you know, like a meter below me. Oh, my goodness. And, a, and they were circling and they were behind me. And I thought, no, I've got to be calm. And so I did. I just kept changing where I was looking. At that point, Brad had said he'd had enough 
paddling and I said that's totally fine like you the fact that you wanted to stay for this long is really lovely of you but no (laughs) you just definitely get out so um yeah so we were just for two hours in the same spot just and with 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 sharks with sharks circling and then um how do you how do you manage your fear in a situation like that because these are not these are not you know black tip, tip reef sharks who are known to you know be quite docile and you know friendly um how do you manage that I knew they would be there and I've swum with some sharks before that are around um Sydney beaches um I I have this belief that we are as much part of we are in you know their sharks as the sharks environment but we are there just as much as they are there and so you know it would be going into someone else's home you wouldn't necessarily just go in and pull everything apart and you know run around crazily um you know that it's just being calm and just watching it and being aware and so I guess that's what I was I you know I was very conscious though of my breathing um I was conscious of getting tired because I didn't I wanted my body to come across (laughs) to the sharks as being strong and well because you know sharks sense fear they sense weakness so I I did I'm you know worked I kept that mindset that I was strong and that I was um healthy and that I was you know I I could do that and so I don't know if it was it was a combination of a, a couple of different things they kept following me they circled me they were behind me at one point we tried to have a a stop for um for something to eat I was throwing like the container inside was a veggie my sandwich and a wave yeah. came everything was just gross and then my <laughs> boat captain who'd not really just been smiling and going you're doing well Lauren keep it up he's like he pointed down and he pointed to point and as I looked down there was a tiger shark in front in my imagine if you're going to give someone a hug and it's they're coming in for the awkward hug and Mm-hmm. And there's that position where they're there but not quite in there. That was the tiger shark face oh. to face, you know, oh just my in goodness. my in, in my, my space, in my space, um, in line with my shoulder, right in my hands. And oh, I was like, okay, my... goodbye. <laughs> so then, did you did you push it away or did you? No, no, no. I just I can't remember. It was just something very fast, very I, instinctual. It I was would just, and I had the cup of the um, the container, so I literally put that down. I don't know what happened to the Vegemite sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> um, soggy mess. Yeah. And um, and then I just moved. and But there again, moving with nowhere to go in his car. <laughs> anyway, because then I had a look and then he was behind me because he was a different colour to the Galapagos sharks that were around. So, and even at that point you weren't thinking, all right, maybe, maybe I do want to get out. Maybe it's enough. The, I haven't moved for two hours. I now have, you know sharks circling me I was genuinely having a great time I was tired I was tired it was taking a long time but it, I just thought it's just part of the process and I just it, you you just accept these things as they are and then you know we eventually moved somehow moved around um the bottom of the point and then we headed out back in and it was still daylight at this it point? was still daylight and then as we circled around heading in towards we went um, around the south end and heading then back up towards north. So I guess 
just over halfway and um, I saw the sun was sort of near the top of the headland that we'd started off and I was like, great, there's three hours to go. It'll be time for sundowners. Have a G&T. Having a the... G&T on the beach in three hours' time. I can do this in three hours. Superb. <laughs> I've never been so disappointed in my entire life. The sun went down in half an hour and it was oh. dark and cold and and I was in big rough water then and it was just choppy and miserable and... And, and is your way lit at that point? Is there a big spotlight on the boat showing you where you meant to go? So the spotlight came so that even though the sun had gone down there, I guess there was still the daylight. But then eventually we cut through and we were heading in towards the reef, um, towards the end, and the main boat couldn't follow us anymore because we had to cut through the reef. So we had the IRB with the um, policemen driving it and my mum and I think everyone was in in that little IRB at the time and they were pointing the flashlight. I'd also got to a point where I'd had enough of being in the water. Um, My goggles were full of grease and foggy. Everyone was going, swim to this light, swim to that boy and I couldn't see. And I knew the line that I'd wanted to take. It was the straightest line but they were moving me through the reef obviously they could see and I couldn't so you know and at that point my trusting in them (laughs) and I was just like you know had gone I don't know how I rounded in but I eventually rounded back in and then as I was coming across there was shouting and horns just for now when they were horns all the people on the island the people on the island had come out and were cheering and it, it it's just phenomenal because um, you know, all the school children out there, and this was 20 to 9 at night, so it was late. Um, and it was it's so fun because I know everyone, lots of people, when they knew I was coming, were having bets whether I would or wouldn't do it because the conditions were that were forecasted to be miserable. And they were like, mm. she's not going to do it. And even one of someone that was there on the um, on the boat ramp had told me the night before that I definitely wouldn't be doing it. She was the first person there to pull the kayak out. It was just, I mean, I've got tears in my eyes telling oh, you this absolutely. because it was just, it was just one of those most phenomenal moments. And the doctor was there with her children and she was just phenomenal. She's like, Lauren, I'm the doctor. Um, I'm going to help you. This is what we're going to do. And she just wrapped me up into um, blankets and then she. So you could walk, you could stand up on the I could stand up, but there was very jelly. Mm. It, wasn't a very, so. it wasn't a very, very pretty sight. <laughs> and then we got back to where I was staying and it was a very, it was a lovely, special thing. My mum and I were literally in the shower and she was just helping me trying to wash off this grease. Um, and so then straight to bed after that? And... Yeah, there was there was some phone calls um, and then I had, um, it was, you know, just totally phenomenal, someone from the Australian was e- suddenly emailing me on Facebook and wanted to have an interview the next day. So everything suddenly started moving super, super quickly, So which was remarkable and but really amazing too because I literally felt like I was just going for a swim and I'd just taken a crew with me and it's just from there it's just... Yeah. Master of understatement, I think. No. It just, I'm just popping out for a swim. I'll be back in 13 and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. You know, in any any day, if the conditions had been flat, 
I know based on my speed and everything, I would have done it in 10 hours or so. But, and that's it. It was just the conditions. And I kind of think it was a well-earned title. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely a well-earned you know. title. Um, and when will you find out about ratification? Um, I'm not too sure. They're going to let me know. And I probably could email them and ask them. But I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. We'll just wait. We'll just wait. <laughs> yeah. And they um, get and very busy. And so, you know, you're back, uh, you know, you're back to normal life and you're back in, in Bondi and you're still swimming every day and thinking of the next adventure, dreaming up the next adventure, the next challenge. Absolutely. So, and that's, I guess, the next thing at the moment is, and part of doing this swim, was, I love watching adventure films and going to film festivals and I've always thought, oh, how cool would it have been to make one? And so we're in the process of putting together a film to um to highlight the swim um and just because it's the most phenomenal scenery um at oh it, it, it's spectacular it's isn't it? just beautiful um but also since doing the swim it's been interesting to hear feedback from you know I'm a school teacher sent from some of the girls mums and some of the community and just people around Jenny who go wow Lauren that was amazing um you know people need people need to hear more about this kind of thing or have you know you've been an inspiration and I don't necessarily I don't see myself as that but I guess the idea of making the film properly um is what's taking up my time now Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honour to talk to you. And I'm, um, I'm really keen to follow your next adventure wherever it takes you. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of Talking Australia. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out. Write us an email, podcast at australiangeographic.com or find us on Instagram at australiangeographic. And if you go to australiangeographic.com.au slash talkingaustralia, you'll find a special subscription offer. So don't wait. Go to australiangeographic.com.au slash talkingaustralia. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening and hear you next time. Listener.